0: We want to say thank you for listening, so our sponsors have given some great deals in this episode. Check these out. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. And... SR3 rescue concepts because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years. Their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze eastern.com. The Access PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise cancelling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The AXNES PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the AXNES system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's AXNES.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up-to-date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations and equipment. The training staff is awesome! With a certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them. They offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 is also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at SR3 underscore rescue. Coming up next, we've got another Navy rescue swimmer, and his short stint in the military did not disappoint. He's got some great rescues, and I'm totally pumped that he came on to share them with us. Now, he did mention he had a Coast Guard C-130 help fly cover over the top of one of his rescues. Well, he had mentioned it was from San Francisco. I said, probably Sacramento. Well, I did some research. And here's what we found out. In stationed at San Francisco were C-130s, which when they were moved to the newly constructed Coast Guard Air Station Sacramento in 1978, this ended the 37-year Coast Guard fixed-wing aviation in San Francisco. So we have done our research. We have the answer. And with that, up next... Please welcome our next guest, United States Navy Rescue Swimmer, Mr. Neil Johnson. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Don't get all serious on me now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do this. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Real Rescue. Today, I've got another Navy rescue swimmer with me. He did three years in the Navy, two of them which were just flying. And in that two years of flying, man, he's got some stories. So, Neil Johnson, rescue swimmer. What's up, dude? Hey, man,
1: nice to be here. This is fun. Um just living life enjoying yeah. yeah man i've been out for what 40 years right it's been a long 40, time have you really you've yeah. been out for 40 years yeah yeah i joined in 1979 got out in, and, and i got out of active duty in
0: 1982 so you know what i was one <laughs> you're one huh? i was one <laughs> yeah i barely barely won <laughs> So you got me by a couple of years. What can I say? All right. All right. It's all right. (laughs)
1: Someone had to pave the way. Hey, I I was a swimmer before the Coast Guard had swimmers.
0: Yeah. So you were one of the guys that we needed to model after. Hey. Hey,
1: Yeah. I remember remember a friend of mine and I, we went over to the Coast Guard hangar over in San Diego and we're checking out their bird. You guys had a cool, it's like a HH3 or something. Yeah that cargo door and we're like yeah this is cool and then we started looking around and goes where's do you guys use swimmers here no we just put this cage in the water we're like going what you put a cage in the water
0: (laughs) how do people get in wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, Uh,
1: okay so
0: guess if it works what if it doesn't uh, work yeah that was uh, the one
1: (laughs) Greg is fast enough with the hole open on the top maybe you can just kind scoop them
0: in yeah and then all of a sudden poof 1984 or five happens and then we have swimmers amazing amazing yeah, that's cool
1: that's <laughs> cool but i think why should we have all the fun right
0: yeah yeah. see thank you thank you for giving us your fun all right you guys the navy is like coast guard this is a really good time you should try it right. oh okay wow this is amazing
1: <laughs> we're all probably sitting around the bar somewhere and telling stories and you guys like getting all depressed. What?
0: Oh, I want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Well, if you don't mind, uh, give us a little background, a little bit about you kind of where you're from, um, how you get into the Navy and what brought you to the rate AW, which is rescue swimmer.
1: Okay. Um, uh, so grew up in Spokane, Washington, uh, you know, it, typically in the winters, you're up in the mountain skiing. And in the summers, you're at a lake. We have about 60 lakes within 60 miles of, of Spokane. So, you know, your mom and dad have a little cabin. So we, I grew up with little Hobie cats and uh, water skiing and fishing and snorkeling and chasing fish, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I was lining up to get into college and I was all accepted to go to montana state and i was going to major in like physical therapy and i was in freestyle skiing at the time back when it was uh, uh not an official sport it was kind of more of an amateur sport and so i was into that and i was going to continue my career and i got a phone call from a recruiter <clears throat> and he goes and because i was also taking flying lessons i was flying around in a little 150 out of uh, uh deer park it's his little city out of north of Spokane by about 15 miles. And I was just trying to learn how to fly an airplane. That's right, I've been there, I've Deer Park. Yeah, Deer Park, so, he, yeah, park. so he, park. Uh, this, this uh, recruiter knew about all this because uh, I had a friend that got in, went into the Navy about a year prior. And apparently they asked you for referrals. So the friend gave the recruiter in Spokane my name and said he likes to fly. And so he calls me up and he says, Hey, how'd you like to fly? I could guarantee a flight status. It's like, Oh, okay. That's a, and I'm not too interested in going to college right now. I'm kind of over school. I'm not ADD, but I'm not like the best student in the world. Right. And I'm not in <laughs> all my friends. know. Yeah,
0: there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, we're cut from a different cloth. So it doesn't, you know, it's all good. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I, listen to him and pretty soon i'm signed up and i'm signed up for four years and i'm going to be an aw and i've got all summer off and it's 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 good and then he calls me up right in the middle of summer and goes hey you know we've got some good news and some bad news i go what's that he goes like all right well your slot for your aw school got filled and so the only slot that's available is a what's called a three by six it means that you're going to be a reservist I go, like, oh, he goes, no, you'll be all right. I mean, you can always extend if you want. I'm like, oh, okay. And so in a way I was blessed because having a short attention span, it, it, it kind of, it, it kept my career in the Navy three years of active duty, pretty action packed. Right. So I still uh, enjoyed my summer off and did my thing. And trying to keep from, you know, getting caught doing anything going to jail and stuff like that. And then Smart. went in in September 11th, I think is when I entered boot camp and we then ended up going up to uh uh Memphis, Tennessee for uh AW training and that's when I learned about uh uh being a, a rescue swimmer. We we had no clue uh that there was such a thing when, when I was being recruited, I just knew I'd be flying around some airplane, you know, something and whatever. And so as I was going through school, you you get different instructors and uh none of them were helicopter guys, but they'd always talk about these helicopters. Oh, yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be a good swimmer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of like, they're all <laughs> P3 guys and S3 guys, which were all fixed wing and, and So you really know. I really got the down a little, but it sounded like more fun. And like I say, it's 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 kind of cool because you can kind of stop and get directions, you can kind of sit in the door and see things. And there's you know, riding around the helicopter I me mean, just sounded like a lot of fun. Plus getting into action, you know, the, the whole idea of, of this rescue sounded like kind of fun, but you know, they, they kept kind of like ah, but it's it's hard, you know, you gotta, gotta be a good swimmer. it's like, oh I freaking grew up in the water, so I think I can yeah. swim. I don't know right and then you go through they ship you off to uh, pensacola and you go through a air crew school and uh they you get in the water and you start playing around with the equipment and it still was fun and i loved it and then on and on through seer school and it go then you go through uh sar school and the sar school is back in san diego where you 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 know run around the San Diego Zoo is like a little 5 mile run after you did about an hours worth of PT after you did about 3 hours in the pool doing square laps so it was it was good it got us all into shape and and then then you go to your reg squadron and you join the join your uh you go to the fleet right and so that 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 took about a year of training and then I was in the fleet for 2 years and then I uh uh, ended up getting out and uh, started back into, into college. But then because of my short attention span, um, I only took the core courses and I was kind of leaning towards building construction. And that got boring because I just, I wasn't making money really. I was working, I was teaching, skiing, you know, washing windows, all the stuff you do to make money as a poor college student, right? Back yeah. then, you didn't pay me to go to school. They, they, you, if you gave them $500, the Navy would give you, you know, a thousand, they'd match you and give you double whatever you gave them. So I kind of had a little modified GI program going on, but it it really wasn't like that much. So I quit uh, school, uh, got my real estate license, moved up to Alaska. Nice. Uh, started selling real estate up there and, and got into property management, and did that for about three years. And then I moved back down to Spokane and uh, got into real estate with my family. And then we grew the company and grew it and grew it and grew it and grew it. And, grew it. and um, now it's like 30 years later and the company's merged into a about four other companies and we're one of the largest companies here in the the northwest we have about 26 offices and
0: holy uh, smoke good for you guys guys.
1: yeah well that was my hey it's the navy man i I credit it all to to the navy and the persistence and and the getting it done and the drive Uh, without that kind of uh, work ethic, uh, uh, and persistence, uh, it applies to every aspect of your life once you do that job. And and I just, it's just what you want. You always drive for something better. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, you know what? I I love the fact that that's where you're at right now, because as a matter of fact, one of the guys that came on this podcast, Todd Davis, um, you know, he was, he ended up going to college and got a doctoral and is now teaching school and, same thing. The whole, the whole drive, the whole mentality of where you begin and getting that win, getting through a school or through swimmer school, just sets such a precedence for the rest of your life. And yeah, people don't understand it that haven't gone through it or something similar. They don't get it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and you know, I, I and, and to roll back, you know, I'm in high school. I'm uh, 150 pounds, uh, six foot one. And you know, it, 160 soaking wet. <laughs> dude, I mean, I'm telling you, you get picked on. I've been picked on all through middle school and high school. You know, the skinny, tall guy. And you know, oh, so I'm you,
0: right there with you, my friend. I'm right there got, with you.
1: But you, you get into the Navy, and and everyone's treated equal. And everyone has the same color of hair and the same, or the same cut of hair and the same uniform. And then you also find out, you know what, man, it's a confidence builder and and all they do is pump you up, you know, and and they turn you into a machine after, after a year of that, of, you know, getting beat down and built back up, you come back a whole different person. And like I say, it's exactly what I needed. You know, it was probably the experience. And I tell everybody that, Hey, if you don't know what you want to do, join the military and, and it, there's some things you have to put up with but essentially you can play with some of the coolest equipment in the world <laughs> totally. and not have to pay for it right so you don't care what avgas costs you know nope. <laughs> ammo what's that you don't pay for it you know yeah so I, yeah it, it was good <laughs> that's that's kind of my
0: story and you know in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Well, yeah. in your three years, like I said earlier, um, you did two years flying, but in your yeah. two years of flying, you, you did some stuff. Like you actually, like you got called out on a couple of missions that, that, and again, this is, what'd you say? 30 years ago?
1: Uh, yeah. 19, yeah. Uh, 40 years ago, so 40, 40 years
0: ago, 40 yeah. years yeah. ago, these, these, two years of your life, these four rescues stand out still today. Like, Det- it, yeah. So I I'm all in my friends. All right. through it. So,
1: you know, you, you hear about rescues all the time, right? And so you're always, every time you throw your bag in the back of the helo, when you're doing your pre-flight, you're always kind of thinking, you know, what if, and we were heading out. I was, I was in my, my, uh, the fleet squadron HSA I was in about three months I think and we're going to go out Uh, the squadron was was getting ready to start ramping up to go out and start working with the carrier we were probably six months away from starting to work with the carrier so we're kind of rebuilding the squadron all new guys and new crews and kind of everyone's trying to sort through the pilots and figure out who they like to fly with so in the meantime, we had exercises and we did anti-submarine warfare. So our our my thing, my flight that afternoon was to go out and uh, uh, work with a diesel electric submarine. And we were going to play cat and mouse with them and uh, just chase them around the ocean for a while. So we we're in deep water. We were probably 60 miles off the coast by the time we got out there. And it was late in the day. It was an afternoon hop. And we are going to come back before the sun went down. And I was a swimmer and uh my crew chief was a, a, a chief, he's a P3 guy. <clears throat> and so we're out pinging and we just got the transducer in the water, I swear. We just started to ping away on this the sub. And boy, is really cool, you know, to actually be tracking a sub. And and uh we were we monitor guard channel, right? And the guard channel is always turned up a little loud. And I kid you not, my hair is standing up on the back of my neck as I tell you a story because you hear that mayday, 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 and the guy is yeah. like on compressed air, and he's, he's yelling into a uh a, a mask, and 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 I mean, you know, shit's getting real. This guy's yelling, and so I I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know what. I mean, just kind of freeze and then kind of let, let the, the uh, uh, pilots tell you what to do and. We decided to pull the transducer out of the water and kind of get ready to fly and then you kind of hear everyone talking you know because they're talking to imperial beach they're talking to the other aircraft trying to figure out who has the closest asset so we started kind of heading the direction and then we found out we were the closest asset and um <clears throat> we didn't really know how far away we were or i didn't know how far away we were but um i know they're flying at over recommended airframe speed i think we were doing about 140 and heading in the right direction and there's apparently uh, a commander on scene commander that was circling the area and they were talking but all they were doing is directing us in they didn't give us any any information on what we were getting into just that there was a uh, an ejection and so uh it was a weird day man i mean it's like blue sky uh reflective water it was calm no swell no white caps dude it was like weird it was so smooth <clears throat> and uh, those I'm are beautiful
0: days in the ocean too beautiful, Like you, when you're flying around and you're looking at that you're like hey, wow yeah i mean we're so far out it's
1: just blue on blue right i mean but mm-hmm. it's just It's, it's, it's unusual to have that type of conditions, but in in the long run, I'm glad it was that kind of condition because, uh, as we flew up into the, to where we were supposed to, all we saw, all we saw was on the surface of the water was just a little white and a little orange, um, just a, a shoot. That's all we saw was a shoot. I had no idea what was there. Just, we saw just a little shoot on the, on the surface, like an air bubble was underneath it. And uh as we flew up, I got out in the door and and we decided, and I didn't know what was going on because I didn't have my helmet on anymore. So I had, I had no I, you know, ICS, nothing. And I just remember uh Chief yelling at me that you know we're gonna drop me a little bit further away because the we didn't want to take a chance of deflating the shoe. Yeah. And, and so so they 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 10 and 10 me, and they put me in the water and fly off. And yeah. I'm about 10 10 knots. 10 feet. Yeah. About 10 feet off the water and 10 knots and, and, you know, a plus or minus, right. They could have right. been 15 and 15, but, uh, I just hit the water and cleared. And once all the, all the, the, the dust sort of settled, uh, and, you know, I kind of was looking around and I started swimming over to where, where the shoe was and dude, I put my face in the water and, um, I, I, I saw something when I was a kid my biggest fear was swimming around because I'd be looking for fish, you know, swimming around under docks and stuff, looking for fish. My biggest fear was swimming into it uh, like a, a, a dead person, someone that had drowned, right? That's kind of yeah. my, my biggest fear of all the things. This would grow, and the, lo and behold, I, I, I look and I see hanging underneath that parachute underwater is uh, a pilot. And uh, uh, the the shroud lines are fully extended. And he's on the end of the shroud lines down about 30, however long, of, you know, your shroud lines. And the, the chutes goes down a little bit too underwater too. So 30, 35 feet underwater, maybe. Okay. Um, and, and it's the ribbons of that light blue of the ocean. It's dark blue and light blue. And, and this guy in, in his, his green flight suit is suspended under that chute. And I'm just going like, oh, I'm on a job and I'm here to get that guy and I'm going to get that guy. That's, you know, I'm going to figure this guy out. No problem. Uh, I'm going to just swim down to him, inflate him, and uh, he'll come up to the surface, you know, in and out. And <clears throat> so I swim up to him, look straight down and take a big breath. And luckily I didn't have all my sweat, my wetsuit on, I only had on my top. Uh, and this, that back then, is like that four or five mil, uh, rubber that they have. Yeah. yeah. And they're all custom made and all that, but I didn't have my farmer johns on. I just had my, you know, jet fins, a, uh, inflatable vest, uh, uh, and then, uh, the harness with a smoke and a, and a knife. And, uh, I took a couple big breaths, man. And, you know, it's like, after you jump out of a helicopter, you're, you're already, you're psyched up your adrenaline. Yeah. And then, then you swim a little bit, not a very far swim, but I looked, took a couple breaths and I just went down and, my guy like, oh shit this guy's deep and so i went down and down and down and down and, <clears throat> and i started work, Start, i grabbed onto him and and the the, the inflators weren't yeah. where the navy inflators are and i said navy because as i later found out he was an air force guy so nor and his uh <clears throat> he also had a, a, a seat pan on him that still, and the seat pan had not been deployed. So it was a full seat pan hanging from him. And I couldn't find his uh, uh, inflators because there's this kind of this green cloud around him, and I, which I thought was uh, his dye marker at the time. Uh, if I would have known what it was, if, and I, I came to find out later it was blood. But if I had known it was blood, I probably would have freaked out because... I was on, the, I was on leave like two, about a month or two prior and I was watching some PBS special and they, they, they just then were figuring out that they could put a drop of blood in this huge swimming pool and these sharks could find this drop of blood. They have this really good sense of smell. And if I would have known that that was blood that I was swimming around in, I probably would have kind of freaked out a little bit. Right. I mean, you know, yeah. would kind of forget about not forget, but just it would have distracted me a little bit, but you know, bottom line is I didn't know his blood, but it's this big cloud of orange, or a yellow around him. It was kind of, it's kind of a green actually. It was a, it was a, it was a green and I, but I couldn't find his inflator. So I just grabbed onto his, uh, one of the risers. So I, I, so I can only go down there for so long cause I started to get out. I was starting to run out of air. So I grabbed onto his riser and literally uh, took him to the surface with him so I could get some air. Cause I didn't want to go all, I have to go all the way back down with him. Right.
0: Right. So, yeah. Going back down 30 feet.
1: Yeah. So I, I took him up with me and I got to the surface, got some air and then I hung on to him and went back down with him looking for his inflators and uh, the Navy had like black beads and they're around your hips. And I'm like going on one hip and am checking the other hip and there's like, there's gear that's in the way. I can't figure it out. And I'm thinking I'm just, you know it's it's because the visibility is bad i don't know but i'm i hold on to him and go back down with him and i can't go down that long this time because i was gasped from dragging him up the first time so i swim up by myself and then i dive back down again and, and this time i was able to, to like figure out that i thought decide this time i was going to go down and get a seat pan off that way i could at least he'd lose 50 pounds right if i get a seat right pan. the seat pan wasn't a i thought it was. In the navy, they're, they're cock fittings where you lift up the the you lift up on the overtop or over a flap, and you put your hand your fingers underneath, and then you flip another flap, another lever. Uh, uh, there are mini cock. Fittings. The
0: fact that you still know this 40 years later is pretty freaking good. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm
1: I'm like trying to get my fingers underneath this thing, and it turned out I finally had to get my face down. I mean, literally, I had to get my mask within six inches because I couldn't figure out why I couldn't get my fingers underneath the cock fittings. Turned out, it's like a seatbelt. It says push like your freaking seatbelt on a car. So I pushed one side and the damn thing released. And I pushed the other side and the other side released. I'm like, Oh, good. Now the guy's, you know, he's just, we just lost 50 pounds. So I take him up again. and, And I still can't find his inflators and I'm starting to get tired. Now this has been three times I've gone up and down with this guy and I look over and there's chief Kimball they're, they're in a hover about a hundred feet from me. And I see him kind of waving around. We didn't have ICS. We didn't have any kind of communications right back. There's all hand signals. And I see him making a signal, like, like he's kind of waving around the, 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 um, uh, horse collar and the hook. And he's kind of like making a hooky look, uh, making a, a kind of a hooky, uh, sign with his fingers onto, onto his elbow or onto his arm or something. So I, so I figured, well, I think he's saying he wants me to hook this to the chute. I'm thinking that's freaking risky, um, but we'll do it. I'll I'll go for it. So the guy's hanging down back, you know, it is 30 foot level underwater. They come over and, and they beat the hell out of that chute with their rotor wash, but they have a, a horse collar on the end of the, of the, the hook. And I just hook onto one of the shrouds I can grab onto that's the closest. Maybe it's wrapped over the top of the chute or something. I, just, I hook onto a shroud and they, they take that helo and they back off uh, away from me at an angle that kind of trolls him back out of the water. So he, so I kind of hold on to the lines until that that chute actually came out of the water. Um, and at that point, he is closer to the surface. But when that shoot came out of the water, I mean, that was wild. Like it, that thing was going around in a circle, like a uh, how do we just like you know how you seen a kite, those controllable kites where you pull yeah. on one side, and it's going a circle really fast. Yeah, and, yeah, it's like that, like a hundred mile an hour wind whipping a kite, and man, it was violent. Like, it was insane how crazy that was. But the bright side is. They, they brought the body up and I could finally see these bright orange tabs that are right around the breast. And, you know, the last place I was looking was the breast. I was getting my face down in this guy's hips each time. He's, it's like, well, that's stupid. I would, you know, super easy to see that. Now he's in, <laughs> close to the surface, right? and He's away from that cloud. <clears throat> and uh, so, uh, yeah, perfectly inflated. Hit one, inflated. And also, man, I just life was good then. I mean, in, in my eyes, it was good. My, my mission was going to be solved. And so basically cut them out of all the shoots. Cause we're all tangled up by now in shrouds and, Oh, it's a mess. And, and so I cut them loose, dropped everything away, uh, got them open and then we got them out and hoisted them up and, and we got out of there. So the, 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 universe is, you know, already, there's two things that have happened to me. The one is not knowing that there was blood in the water thinking it was done and also overcoming that little fear of, you know, working with somebody that's, that's not alive underwater. Um, but we're, we're flying back in, in the Hilo and I'm in back in the cargo area. And queen is coolest thing I've ever seen. Uh, it's the most ironic I should say. I think, yeah, I think irony that this, the moon was actually coming up over the ba- you know, Mexico, the Baja peninsula. Uh, the moon is coming up over the desert, and it was this full moon, and it was this purple sky, and
0: uh, I knew this had happened. It's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah. And the
1: sun's setting on one side, and he's laying there, um, you know, on the floor, and still believe, you know, he's basically water and blood and everything. Uh, but it's just the irony of it was seeing this, this kind of a moonrise in that, that scenery because the window fairly decent size on, on, on that um, cargo door and just sitting there going like, wow, man, I, I, uh, it was like, it's like getting light. I don't know, it's something weird, but we ended up <clears throat> coming in really hot back to San Diego, North Island. And uh, we, we, uh, we we landed right at the terminal uh and everybody was there and and we offloaded him and you know he didn't have a helmet his gloves had been blown off during his injection at the time i didn't know it um and and we couldn't figure out what happened but as, as we later found out i was having lunch um and i ran into a guy who was running the air traffic control for uh imperial beach and was actually watching it it was a dogfight there was two f-14s versus a, a an air force uh f-15 and the air force air 15 f-15 disintegrated and uh the they were tracking at Mach 2.5 apparently 1700 miles an hour with TC yeah yeah I, I had no idea right um yeah but but we offloaded him and we we rinsed out the hilo uh and we taxied back to the to the to the um flight line. And I hear the pilots, man, it was so weird. I hear the pilots going, did-, did you hit the I don't know what it is the detent or something, you know, shutting off the fuel? No, nope, I didn't. Did you? We ran out of fuel, man, right when we were getting shocks. And it's like oh, oh, wow. Wow. that was that was close. So so that was, and then it which is even more interesting, just that that particular weekend, this is like on a Thursday or something, my parents were actually in town with my little brother that night, and they were going to take me to dinner, and they're wondering where, my, where I was, right, because we ran really late, and then we had to debrief it. But it, to have that kind of support there when, when something like that happened, and when you're 20 years old, I mean, that was pretty shocking to go through that whole thing. Um, it was pretty cool you know again it's kind of the universe does things for you and and if you recognize it it's uh it means a lot right yeah so so that was kind of the first thing we ended up going through a big uh hearing not like a formal hearing but i would say there were seven six air force guys with a lot of scrambled eggs on their hats uh that were talking to me and my first crew about what happened and and i think our uh What came out of that, and it was that at North Island, uh, they maybe weren't training on Air Force equipment that well. It was all keyed on uh, Navy equipment, and so, and we didn't have uh, inflatable saltwater activated inflation back then. You know, it was all manual inflation. And if if you're unconscious and you eject, or you become unconscious after you eject, um, there's a good chance you're going
0: to drown. Right. Right. Yep.
1: that's what happened I, I don't know if the guy actually survived turned out the back of his skull was fractured and there's all kinds of issues that i couldn't tell right you're in the water and just focusing on getting them out but um uh, yeah the cause of death on that one was drowning which was interesting yeah
0: neil holy cow that was a
1: good one yeah that was a wake-up call for this kid Yeah. yeah um and, but then you know it, it uh it, it was good it made you face all your fears right and then you also oh, you yeah know, you can do anything but you uh, know
0: I really like how you said you you had a support system when you got back and didn't even realize yeah. you needed it or wanted it at the time you know no i just saw my yeah. parents were
1: going to hang out and visit me and then yeah. all i mean or the odds right otherwise yeah. i just go to the barracks and you know grab some food somewhere and hang out at the barracks and listen to some listen to radio right you know yeah. so it was it was pretty uh pretty cool uh, again the universe works in mysterious ways um <clears throat> the second one i had <laughs> was <laughs> was uh, speaking of universes um we were uh now now hs8 was on workups and we're out uh working up with a uh constellation aircraft carrier cd cd64 and we're off of san francisco and we're doing night operations we're doing carrier quals for all the squadrons and so
0: hey, just uh, out of curiosity how much time is between your first case that you just had with the pilot and this one because i mean oh, you, i mean we only have two years that you get all this stuff in so
1: probably, probably It's on workups and I think probably four, maybe five months.
0: Oh my gosh. So it's still, the other one's still pretty fresh as far as, you know, what you went through, what you saw, having to deal with stuff, talking to a lot of people, lots of debriefs. Got it. Four months later, now you're off San Francisco.
1: San Francisco. And I got this creepy feeling. Uh, We're up flying. And it's, uh, it's rookie night. Uh, for some reason, the squadron decides to put two helos up in the air, and it's the, the, the rookie pilots. And, uh, and so I'm in helo uh, number two, and there's a helo number one that's primary. We're secondary. We're doing starboard delta. It's, I don't know, probably 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. We're flying around. And- I don't.
0: I don't totally know what starboard or alpha oh. delta. What's alpha oh, delta? Starboard delta is. Uh, starboard delta. On the Sorry. Off or,
1: yeah, when the planes take are are doing uh, uh, night operations, either they're taking off or they're landing. Um, yep. We're over on the the starboard side of the of the aircraft carrier. In a doing a delta pattern, it looks like a big D or a big circle. Just just flying around doing circles. We're we're in the air for three hours waiting for something to happen. We're like the lifeguard, right?
0: Gotcha. And that's while the uh, the jets are doing their touch and goes to the aircraft carrier and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And Got it.
1: The reason, yeah, and we're right off of San Francisco, so that in case uh, these guys, you know, it's nighttime. It's, it's, uh, it's a little on the rough side. It's it's not very windy, but it is. And in case guys can't, you know, uh, trap, then, then they can, they can bingo back at, uh, um, San Francisco. So that was the point is that they have a place to go. So, we're out there flying around two helos. We're kind of in a, a loose formation. We're behind number one. And, uh, I hear my pies is yell, you know, holy shit. And I think there's some other words that were said because, uh the heel in front of us lost a, uh, the coupler for their, uh, for the turbine shaft to the transmission. And with that shaft swirling around the back of the engine compartment or the forward of the of the transmission it clipped some hydraulic lines which led to them losing some control of their aircraft and also starting a fire because the hydraulic fluid all caught on fire and turned into that's not explode. good <laughs> yeah it didn't explode but it was a big fireball from what i heard i was in the back it was weird because i was in the back usually i'm uh I'm laying on the, on the troop seat, you know, and I'm, for some reason back there, just ever since we launched, I I knew something was going to happen. And it was the weirdest thing. And I, I think, <clears throat> I think for a lot of guys that do this, you get this like sixth or seventh sense, you, you get this feeling that you have to listen to man. Right. And <clears throat> I had it and I'm like, Rearranging my flippers. I, even though I'm not suited up, I'm just I'm just keeping an eye where the, my bag is. I kind of go through my stuff. I make sure it's all there. I'm just I'm just constantly going through everything. Check 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 check. Because I know something's gonna happen. It's the weirdest. I can't even describe it. It's just weird. And sure as hell, you know, I hear the pilots' excitement. They tell uh, the other helo they're on fire. And they probably knew it because all their gauges probably went to zero and man, they just went down, boom. And we did it. We flew kind of over them as they went down. And when we turned around, there was nothing to see. We, they were gone. They were, it was black. Uh, It was night, dark and no signs of anything, no lights, no fires, nothing. And so we did a circle, we came back and we flipped our lights on and underneath us, eventually there's the hull of the Hilo upside down and, you know, four little helmets and with the reflective, uh, little, you know, reflective helmets so we could see them. And we flew by them and <clears throat> we didn't kick a smoke out. We put a one hour smoke in the water, uh, quite a ways from them. So we wouldn't if they had leaking fluid or something, we wouldn't torch all our guys. So we put right. a smoke in water, you know, about maybe 200 yards out, which might've been what caused us a problem because what happened was, is a, I had to suit up again. And like the other rescue, all I had time to do is put on my, my top, which was good in that particular situation, because when you're diving 30 feet underwater or whatever it is to have, you know, your farmer Johns on and a top, I probably couldn't have done it you know without yeah, having some a belt on right where in this case the air temperature was probably 60 degrees and or 50 something like that it was cold as windy <laughs> and as the ocean off of san francisco which isn't the warmest in the world right
0: no that's cold cold
1: yeah <laughs> so nothing like being hung under a heli with just a farmer with just a, a top on and you know booties and so so uh, then the policy was never to become unhooked, right? You, you do not disconnect at night. Uh, we had four guys in the water. And for some reason, the pilots decided not to turn on all their lights. And so that was kind of a problem because they couldn't really get oriented very well. Uh, the first crew, the hoist operator, is also flying the helicopter. I don't know, in the Coast Guard, do you guys have uh, can you do lateral? uh can you can you take control of the helicopter
0: from from the the the, the back? yeah yeah you can it, there are a couple aircraft aircrafts that you can do that with i'm i'm not personally a big fan of it i don't think it moves fast enough for what you need like i could the pilot has to give control of the hoist operator or the, the crewman the crew chief whatever you yeah. want to call them and then you can move the aircraft in a direction like even to 45 like forward and right but Again, by the time I put all my inputs in, I can just tell the pilot where they need to go and get there. And in the technology in the aircraft today, you could literally hit like an auto hover, depending on the aircraft, auto hover, it'll hold you in a direction, then you just move it around a little bit. So there's there's a lot of options nowadays in comparison to wow. what you guys were flying. <laughs> <Yeah. coughs>
1: He had a, he, the guy had a joystick and a, and the toggle for the hoist and the ICS all in one hand and the other hand is on the, the other hands on the, on the wire, right? Yeah. And he's trying to get me on top and he's looking out the, he's looking out the, out the, the cargo door. He's trying to get me on top and all we're doing is crisscrossing. I'm always two feet away, five feet away. He's dragging me like, like I'm a fish. Actually, the, the guys were, that were in the water, Kind of laugh, not really right then, but when we eventually got them, that they thought I looked like uh, Peter Pan because I, I'd be flying <laughs> the sky near them. So, so what happened is we spent about forty-five minutes, and literally, I'd go into the waves. is about six to eight foot waves, and I'd hit a wave, then I'd come out, then I'd hit a wave, then I'd come out. And I, each time I was getting electrocuted, you know, you get that little shock that goes through. So I finally, I was it, I was doing it so many times. I finally got onto how to how to dissipate the electricity without getting that feeling is to kick the wave as it's coming up to you, just kick really hard. So I got really good at that rather than uh, getting that jolt and I'd kick real hard and it kind of just dis- dissipate the electricity. But um, I was only able to grab one guy because we couldn't, stay on top in a steady hover um and i i was lucky to grab him because i was as as the helo was kind of moving sideways with me dragging through the water i reached out and grabbed grabbed one of the helmets that i saw coming i remember as vividly they're all four huddled and i just reached out you know being six four gave me some wingspan and i grabbed the one helmet the back of the helmet of uh uh aw marshall and marshall's like uh 240 pounds he, he, i didn't realize i was grabbing their rescue swimmer so i grabbed the only guy that had a full wetsuit on in san francisco water right uh, that's <laughs> funny i bet you they were all pissed when they saw me snag him out of the water too
0: <laughs> Like what the hell man <laughs>
1: dude he's fine (laughs) (laughs) he's all the guys he's sitting there sipping a beer you know but uh so i grabbed marshall and i hook up to him and it's it's like we go up and and they actually called us off because we were having problems right and by then the the alert 30 bird uh the backup to the backup got launched and they they picked, picked the other three guys up without any effort but Hell, you know, it kind of, so, so we land, right. And, and I've been in the water, you know, I felt like I was kind of cold. I, actually, I was pretty cold because I, we landed on, on the on the deck and they had shut down all operations, right. They cleared the deck, right. We land right in front of the, right in front of the island. And all these medics come running out and, and, and they look in the cargo door and there's two swimmers sitting there. And they're like looking at us and I like look over at Marshall. I, I just point to him. And they, they take this Marshall, like I say, he's like 220, 230, just huge. And and they load him on the little the little stretcher, right? And then they run off with him. And I'm like sitting there going, hey, whatever, man. You know, I'm just sitting there. So I just kind of hop out, put on my tennis shoes. And I, I just hightail. I just run down to the to, to our, our birthing area where the showers are, man. And I just, I don't stop i don't say go i don't do anything i just and i'm out of here you guys you know I, and the first crew can shut the helo down i gotta get warm man i'm going hypothermic you know <laughs> and so i run i'm standing in the shower just trying in these showers they have on the on the aircraft carrier back then probably now they probably like steam showers with multiple heads but back then it's this little shower head and you had to you had to depress this little button you know for the water to come out i'm like just holding this thing just waiting for the hot water to come out and just stand in their hot water people are asking me questions i can't even answer because i'm like they, 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 i can't talk and i find out then i find out all the guys that got were in the water they get a little thing of uh bourbon or something, whiskey. Did you know that? Oh yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? I didn't get one. I, I went, I was like, man, I'm kind of thirsty too. Hey, you know, I go down to the sick bay, like, hey, can I my uh you know shot or whatever? Literally, I went down there. Like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, fucking
0: come on, man. What what that's do you mean? They got, <laughs> <laughs> they got one. They
1: got one. No, man, They survived the, the helicopter
0: crash. Yeah, well, I'm pulling them out of the water. I deserve one too. Damn it.
1: I got ripped off on that one.
0: Oh, that's funny
1: yeah so that, was, that was an experience so yeah that kind of is like okay well that was when you have that gut feeling you really got to listen to it you
0: know yeah
1: it's telling you something so oh, those <laughs> are like ones as a as, uh, as the swimmer uh then after that it was pretty quiet right so I was uh usually then from then on they I Earned my wings, and I became a first crewman, and then was uh, basically the hoist driver or the hoister and the uh, the first crewman from
0: then on. Nice, that's awesome. Um, Let me back up for one second because you were asking. You know, we got talking about like being able to drive the helo as a hoist operator. Um, I'm I'm not opposed to it for people that do it. One of my uh, one of my catches with that in particular is having a hard time with doing basically two things at once. So you're trying oh, to yeah. use your, your thumb to move the helicopter, you know, because you have taken over control of the helicopter, sort of, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then hoist it. Now, I hoist at the same time the pilots are moving. So that's where it's, that's where I, that's, I'm not, like, I'm not opposed to it. I don't personally use it because I don't personally like it. I like giving, asking the pilot to go to the direction that they need to go. Like, yeah. they're driving. Give them the driver's seat. This is where I need you to move the helicopter. And then you can manipulate the cable at the same time. I can't do that if I'm trying to move the helicopter and then the cable, because you you just can't. Well,
1: so. as I don't know if you know this, Quinny, but as AWs, we're, we're pretty skilled people. and uh, Yes, you are. <laughs> we're, able to, we're able to, what we do, the trick is you, you take your pinky and you put it on the joystick and then you take the pickle switch and you have your thumb on the pickle switch on the top is the the upper down and on the side is the ics and so you have three yeah you're actually doing three things with that one hand and it's a left hand it's not the right hand so
0: correct yeah you gotta you gotta you you know it's the skill set my friend okay you know what i'll give it to you guys i'll give it to you i am gonna give it to the pilots and say this is where i need you to go (laughs) Like here, even the h each and the,
1: even the hc guys the cargo guys they were able
0: to figure it out
1: right so it's oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so that like i don't need a trigger to talk because that's why i have my i set my box just right oh, so i we
1: couldn't do it these, these the h3 if you're if you're if you're looking out the door you're getting so much rotor noise and so much turbine noise that the vox Uh. yeah it's impossible you can't set the vox to what you're i know what you're saying i remember one time i was doing a flight and uh, we're at nighttime and we're doing touch and goes and we're like the hundredth touch and go right auto rotations to a touch and go and i forgot i had my my I had, I forgot I had my mic on a Vox setup. And I'm like in the back, kind of half sleeping, or I I don't know. I've got my head down on on a on a workboard, and I remember just saying saying a bad word because that we had done so many hard hits on on these auto rotates at night. I I think I, I said the F word. And I forgot that I was, I was, I had my Vox on and the pilots, what, 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 what was that? What was that? Like, oh, Nothing, uh, sir. I think
0: mean, i you know, the Vox gets into it. Yeah, fudge, yeah. Yeah, right. like, but I like, didn't like, say fudge. It was like it's like fudge. Then, I oh, said shit, the mother of them all. Oh man. It's so embarrassing.
1: Oh, so then from then i learned my lesson about vox but yeah you can't back then we couldn't stick our heads out the door see what's going on have vox Uh, i would have loved to and hell half the time our icss uh, became unplugged we had this weird little plug it had about a the the throw on the plug was maybe about three-eighths of an inch right so so that's all your contact area that it, it inserts into the plug is these it like now it's like a stereo plug it's like two inches right yeah
0: yeah or whatever or whatever
1: this thing was literally three-eighths of an inch and so you turn your head wrong or if you had a loose thing you you would become unplugged and the pilots are wondering if you died back there and you hear you know you can't hear them you can't can't talk and so that was a problem too you know is is uh, losing your ICS when you're in the middle of a situation if you if you're turning your head too much or if you if you have not enough cord and it pulls out of your back, of your helmet. That was super awkward back then. Hopefully, yep. they
0: fixed it by now. It's better now. It's way better now.
1: They finally like, ironed out those bugs.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> if you could do it today, like, yeah, I, I, no problem. Everything technology's just gotten better. That's all. I mean, forty years. Yeah. Hey, that's what. Like I said, we got auto hover. Boom. Click
1: oh, you think they'd throw a couple bucks at us, right? You know, back you then. You would think. It's like, no, no. Uh, here, Here's a knife, and here's a smoke. Go get them, kid. And it hits on the back of the head. Go get him.
0: <laughs> 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 oh man, that's so funny. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you what. As a hoist operator, you uh, yeah. you had kind of two of them. Um, yeah. one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, so. Yeah kind of kind of one for sure half of the other one all right go ahead what do you got
1: yeah so so a a hurricane is coming into the philippines we're in subic bay and they decided we got to pull the carrier out and so we have all the helos in on the hard and we usually ferry the helos out and we load on some guys i it's probably the guys that have the you know, won some lottery or something, but our, our mechanic guys or whoever get to ride out with us. So, <clears throat> I have my swimmer, a crew of uh, three, uh, three guests on board that are squadron mates, and we're flying all the helos out. And uh, we find out there's a guy in the water. Some guy jumped off the boat. Well, you know, this, this is
0: not the first time I've heard this for the Navy. I'm going to throw <laughs> that out there <laughs> to you guys. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs>
1: we're like we're like flying along and the the, the, the boat's already three four miles off you know away from the port right I mean it's going it's in the Philippine Sea almost and and we're kind of looking at each other like a man overboard oh okay so come to find out this guy's a a repeat offender Uh, when we left the first time he jumped off and tried to swim back apparently had a girlfriend or something of and course. on the second time, same thing happened. And so it's my guy. You know, it was
0: a different girlfriend this time.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know. But we uh, we we get the call, and, and I, I put my guy. Uh, we do a ten and ten, and just put the put my guy in the water, and then we circle around. And my guy, you can see him up there, kind of talking to the. And the kids swimming away from him. I think that was the first indicator. The kids swimming away from my swimmer. So, my swimmer got uh, my
0: control. my money's on the swimmer. I'm just gonna yeah, throw that yeah, out yeah. there. AW is gonna win that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I got the <laughs> fins, dude.
0: <laughs> and I got no problem drowning Long your ass pants. and then bringing you back to life. It's yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you swam with steel-toed boots, man? <laughs> yeah. So my so I, we we come up to do a pickup, and and so I'm starting to get ready, and I'm in the door, and yeah, I got you know getting ready to get control of everything they give me control of everything and i started zipping the, the the hoist out and i feel a little tap on the back of my helmet and one of my mech guys i kind of look back you're like what the fuck Why are you tapping me on the back of the helmet man i'm busy you know right
0: <laughs> i mean think about it i'm trying to go get my guy in the water
1: yeah a
0: knucklehead over there
1: <laughs> on the back of the helmet thank god i, I as i'm taking as i'm um uh, putting the hoist out I look up and up in the wheel there's there's just freaking hydraulic fluid just spewing out of one of the hoses up there we we broke a, a, a hydraulic line or a hydraulic line broke when I when I activated the hoist so lucky for me that happened so my hoist was out about three four feet and I stopped stopped running it out and I uh, <clears throat> kind of told the pods what was going on and so uh, left left uh, aw3 house in the water with the the un uh what would you say he'd be a un uh unhappy uh overboard yeah 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 Over- the escapee <laughs> or whatever you want to call him yeah uh, so we left him in the water and we 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 flew back and, and made a landing and little did i know that i decided well i'd I, I, I put the hoist back up in, in, in the housing, and so that's when I pretty much exhausted all the all the um, hydraulic fluid out of the, out of the tanks because we couldn't uh, fold the fold the blades all the way back because just that little bit of hydraulic fluid that I put out of the, uh, the hoist uh, w- didn't give us enough to to fill the you know the pistons that close the, the push it, close the uh, the rotors so we can stow the Hilo. <laughs> so I, I was lucky that I was tapped on the helmet um, because we didn't have that much hydraulic fluid to to spare when we landed. So I, I guess with, <clears throat> whenever I get into situations, they all tend to end very close to not well.
0: <laughs> Run uh, out of fuel on your first one. Yeah. Running out of hydraulic yeah. fluid on number three. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one. Not not a lot of coordination pulling people out of the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> no uh so but we had, how'd
0: you uh, how did you get the guy out of the water
1: well the, another the other helo we had another one that was uh coming up behind us oh and okay so they ended up they ended up putting interesting story uh uh my guy really had to take him under control to, to take him out to put him in the water or to get him on a hook um they horse collared him and he was fighting him a little bit once he got in the helo, uh, apparently there would have been the there would have now been two swimmers, a hoist operator, and a pilot and a co pilot. And one of the pilots is ex Golden Gloves boxer. The reason I point this out is because this uh uh survivor, I guess we like to call him, uh, put up a little bit of fight. Yeah, once he got back in the back of the helo, he put up a little bit of a fight, enough to where uh, our our one pilot unstrapped and went back there and decked him. And <laughs> can you believe oh, that?
0: Oh yes. You know what? Go, Not line.
1: You don't step out of line on a helo, man. You don't mess with HS8. That's that's <laughs> that was our little thing after that, man. Our pilots <laughs> are coming back and kick your ass at the solar camp. <laughs>
0: Wow, yeah. You know what? I, I can They're totally hear that acting. conversation in the car, like up to the car. You know, this guy—he he, wants. He's fighting with us, sir. I don't know what. He's not listening to us. Yeah. Roger that. Boom. Yeah. I, yeah. Boy, you just got knocked up out.
1: <laughs> commander Taylor went took charge. Your lieutenant oh. commander. Yeah, he went back, and <laughs> yeah, I think that's who it was. Uh, just
0: everybody standing over him, man. yeah dumbass (laughs) (laughs) wow you believe that so that, that was pretty interesting so
1: that was almost rescue and then then we had a. I think this the the last one i had we had done our west pack and back then west packs were about nine months and you 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 would go on station in the indian ocean and all we'd do is fly operations and and you know pick on I think at that time we were picking on Iran. So we okay. pick on Iran and avoid Russians. That was our whole thing. And then we'd do that for about, we'd go out for 45 days at sea. And then we'd, we'd sail down to, I think we went to Africa once, went to Mombasa. And then we'd go back on station uh, for 45 days again. And then we'd sail, then we sailed down to Australia, which was amazing. Uh, Perth. Um, and then we sailed all around again, offloaded our, 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 some of our weapons. And then we, then we started our way back to, uh, uh, United States, but that took about nine months to do that whole thing. And so when we got back, we were still doing some operations and we had picked up a distress signal on high frequency, and it was a boat that was sounded like it was it was sinking. And again, we were the only asset out there that was close enough. But what was interesting is the Coast Guard launched a, a, a C-130 Herky out of okay. uh, out of out of San Francisco, and it
0: Sacramento.
1: To, was it Sacramento?
0: Uh, You know what? Maybe they did have them in San Francisco at the time, but I'm not, I don't think so. I think they're uh, they've always been out of Sacramento. You know what? For everybody out there, don't quote me on that. We'll look it up.
1: I just knew it was a long trip. They came from a long ways up from where we were because we were already probably out around San Diego or South of San Diego. So, you know, that's that's a couple hundred miles. Right. So they, they, they flew down, uh, and they found these guys and we could kind of hear them on our, age, our high frequency, but we couldn't really get a good bearing on them. And so it was pretty big sea. We were uh, we were on the, on the angle deck waiting to take off. We we're kind of in an alert five and they had that carrier rocking and rolling because we were catching spray from the bow that was hitting us on the windshield. And we're 72, you know, the flight deck's about 72 feet off the water. Yeah. And then helo is another 12 feet or so, right where the windshield is or 10 feet. And we are catching spray from that bow, uh, from the bow, uh, spray is, is some good waves and there's some good wind. And that's why the sailboat was in trouble. They were sinking. And so we, we launched two helos out and, um, uh, by the time we found them, cause we had to do a little bit of, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the herky bird found them. But we still had to do a little bit of a square because they they kind of left the site. They, they were running out of fuel or something was going on because they spent a lot of time looking for these guys. So by the time we got there and had visual, we had used a lot of fuel and the number one bird had used a lot of fuel. So what they did is they kind of we flew and they hovered. And they put their swimmer in the water and the swimmer got the three, uh, survivors off the boat into a life raft. And then the swimmer was basically abandoned by the, by the number one bird, uh, cause they needed to get back. Uh, I don't know what was going on, but they were run out of fuel. So, so they left, so that left me. Uh, with my swimmer and, and three people in the water well four people in the water so and uh so I was it was kind of cool because it's, it's it's rare to get pictures of a of a uh uh a rescue that far offshore uh yeah. rarely there's no one else out there and I happened to I'm back in 80 I was like one of the few people that had a camera and so I was I I got some cool pictures of this of this of the operation until I had to go, go to work. Right. Cause we were in orbit around them, but it was, it was pretty cool. So we put them, put uh, I just put the hook down and uh, would bring them up one at a time. And uh, we got three people and then we took them back to the carrier. And it's just, it's just like that show uh, final countdown, right. Where the civilians get pulled out of the water uh, off of Hawaii and they're all like awestruck by the, superior air power of the united states navy and then they get to land on an aircraft carrier and they're they're treated like you know <laughs> heroes and yeah and they put the red carpet out for them and give them uniforms the whole thing is pretty cool they, they had a they, they had a good experience probably they'll never forget right that's awesome it's Thanks. pretty funny but we were actually back then you guys probably had this all the time we would rarely get to hear music uh uh, through our ICS system, right? And so,
0: uh, yeah. Dep- now you you can if you plug in. depends, it's again it depends on the aircraft and the setup, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we would we would we used uh, the ADF as a, a directional finder, right, uh, for yep. AM radio. So we we tune into a station. So we just happen to be tuned into a. The reason I'm saying this is, so I turned in the station to some, you know, a rock station back then, right? And we're listening to the AM radio, essentially. And <clears throat> all, all my guys, I've got, a, I've got the two swimmers, and one's in you know borrowed headgear, and the other one's got a helmet on. They start dancing in the cargo area to, to the <laughs> music. And I'm like, <clears throat> these survivors, these wet people are sitting there looking at these people while my, I got two guys in wetsuits dancing in the, in the cargo area, right? They must have thought we were crazy.
0: What is wrong with these navy guys? <laughs> yeah,
1: just freaking nuts. Yeah. They're rocking out. No, they're doing the air guitar. That's what it was. They're they're dancing <laughs> air guitaring, you know, like oh god. So that was fun. That's that, was, that was stuff you did when you are 20, 21 years old, man.
0: Stuff yeah, we got. Man, that is awesome. What great stories. Neil, these are amazing. I love it. I love yeah, it. I enjoyed them. Heck it's, yeah. It's, it's
1: fun to tell somebody the story that knows what i'm talking about right
0: yeah yeah a lot
1: you know you've been there you know the scene you know what it's like when you know you get the tap on the on the shoulder and the adrenaline and the noise and you know you see these movies and these people are having conversations in the in the cargo of a helicopter i'm like going I'm half deaf from just trying to have a conversation with somebody, you know, you pull your headset back a little bit or your helmet out so they can yell in your yeah. ears. You don't want the pilots yeah. to hear what you're saying, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. You can't hear anything, man. All you hear is, ah, yeah. you know, <laughs> <sighs> it's crazy. So no one gets it, but guys like us, right? Right. I mean, the guys yeah. that have done it. Yeah.
0: So yeah. And for anybody that hasn't flown, that doesn't understand, Uh, just put a loud horn next to you and try to talk. And that's kind of, I guess that's the closest you'll get to it.
1: Yeah. Stand next to a jet engine, you know, instead of getting on the airplane when you're on a, you know, going on a flight somewhere, just stand next to the back of the jet jet engine and just sit there and have a conversation or try.
0: Yeah. See how it goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it goes. Yeah. So it is great, but that, that whole, all that stuff just added up. And I took it for granted. That's what kind of, you know, all that stuff. That's not, normal and i thought it was normal right right, you, right. condition to to this whole scenario of this environment you know <clears throat> aviation, right it's it's hours and hours of sheer boredom punctuated by seconds of sheer terror you know um yeah. in that conditions yeah you, you know it, it makes i think a lot of guys i know that do this they they all like adrenaline they, they
0: yeah you
1: to have it you know and a bunch of adrenaline
0: junkies yeah
1: (laughs) i can't beat it can't beat it but no it was it was a great experience man and you take it for granted sometimes all you know at that age you take everything for granted it's
0: it's normal but it's not it's not normal yeah it's well i I don't think i think like i'll I'll speak for me and me alone the older the the further i get along, like i love to fly now i i'm blessed with the fact that i still have an opportunity to fly um you know and i look at stuff we were actually just talking about this a little bit ago but you know i did that flight the other night and coming around full moon reflected off the water i'm playing with a 16 million dollar helicopter hoisting to a platform in the middle of the ocean i mean it's it's that perspective of like this is freaking awesome yeah. you know and I, sometimes i wish i had had that at 20 years old i remember sleeping in the back of the helicopter yes I called it. I said it. I was sleeping in the back of the helicopter, oh, yeah. and the we, we fly over something amazing, and they're like, oh, look at that. That's so cool. And I sit up, I'm like, yeah, cool. And then I go back to sleep, because it's <laughs> yeah. a freaking two-hour flight to wherever we got to go. I don't give a shit. Fact of the matter is, whatever yeah. I was flying by, I am, I'm never going to see that again, ever. No. What the heck was I doing? Yeah. Oh, oh
1: well when you know you guys had it at least you saw land most of the time yeah (laughs) when you were flying yeah we'd be happy to see a fish i mean i i have we would sit in the doorway we the, you know sit on the you know in the indian ocean it's just like bright it's just blue on blue there's no change and so if there's anything on the surface you'd see it so we'd always fly over to it you know because there's something to look at you'd see these sunfish that were the they lay on their sides. It's they call they call them sunfish. They're sided, they're the size, I swear, of a of a of a swimming pool. I mean, they're huge. I saw a blue whale that was belly up, it was dead. And there's these two hammerhead sharks chewing on it. And those things, the sharks were almost as big as the helicopter. I mean, it was eerie how big the fish get out there, but you never see them unless they're super big. Right. But, but you know, because we're always over water, you never really, you really would be able to kind of, yeah, sleep in the back a little bit, right? But when we would be in the Philippines or something like that, we'd take those Helos and we'd we'd fly along uh the Corregidor Trail, uh, yeah. where they marched all the all the guys up to uh, uh whatever the Air Force base is up there. But we flew that trail, flew over Corregidor, and it's like, man, it's like, it was pretty cool, you know. We had, we got to do things that a lot of civilians never will ever right. get to experience, you know.
0: Heck, and even yeah, military think, guys that might never get to see what yeah. we see.
1: Oh yeah, like it, yeah.
0: It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I shouldn't it's... say sleeping. I should say resting my eyes. I was waiting for the call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being so, prepared.
1: Hey, checking your eyelids for holes.
0: Ready to execute. Be prepared to execute. Check. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the things we'd get away with. I remember we we went to Australia. We'd fly we'd fly into Australia before they before the carrier even got there. We would fly in a crew of guys, and because we were air crew, we'd be on that helo. We'd land at their on their one of their soccer fields at one of their bases, yep. and then we'd all we'd all jump into cabs, and then we'd 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 go to the hotels where. That were on the beach, and we'd lock up all the rooms on the beach before the rest of the guys were even in liberty boats heading into land. We, we'd be we'd be half a day ahead of these guys, locking in hotels, and that That's was pretty-
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, was, uh, you know, but uh, you know, not about prep falls. You know, there's is, and you're always nervous, right? That something's gonna break or something's gonna happen, but it's just part of the game. It was yep. pretty cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. I
0: don't know. Neil, this has been awesome. I, I'm so glad you came on to tell these stories. Um, One thing before I let you go, if you had advice to pass on to everybody, you know, in your short time, even now, like what would <clears> you <throat> tell everybody?
1: Oh man, I tell you what. Um, I, I would tell the guys that are in right now that are serving, if if, if you don't know how good you have it, is what I'll tell you. You don't have to worry about the cost of pretty much anything, like what we have to worry about, medical insurance. Everything you have can fit into a couple duffel bags. And you're playing with some of the most expensive equipment in the world, doing some of the stuff that I guarantee it 20, 30 years from now, you'll look back and go like, oh yeah, that was cool. I know you take it, you know, you take it for granted now, but or back and now you do, but. You won't. And so just relish everything and, and enjoy it and, and do as much as you can because that is not normal what you're doing. It's not normal. It's, 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 a, you're in an amazing spot with amazing people, with amazing equipment. Enjoy it. Um, that training that I was given um, did, it, it, it taught me to be uh, persistent, um, honest honest with yourself you have to admit your mistakes and you have to know when you make mistakes because there's a lot of people that are on the line if you make a mistake the quicker you admit your problem the quicker you can solve it right whether you're in business or in the air that's just what you got to do i mean uh the time i retracted a mad uh a piece of equipment. I think it was a $70,000 thing I broke on the helicopter. I had to, you know, fess up very quickly that I made a mistake and then we we're able to fix it. But things happen, right? um <clears throat> Honesty, persistence, and you can do whatever you want. You know, after what you've been through and what you've trained to do, you've done a lot and you can continue that. All you have to do is look and make a goal and you can hit it it might take you 10 years I got I was able to take a sailboat for a year in the mid 90s and just do my dream and sail from one island to another in the Caribbean because uh, that was just another goal I wanted to do and if I wouldn't had the military type of mindset uh, I don't know if I would have accomplished that or not but it's just these things are very important in building part of your you know your character.
0: And I, I love it
1: Navy as much it's, it's a great alumni to be part of.
0: That'd be my words of wisdom. That's great, man. I love it. I love it. Good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. 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 I love it. Neil, thank you so much for coming on and, and just sharing these stories. It, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and talk to you and, and just hear this stuff. It's, it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The next time I get to Coeur d'Alene, we're going to hit the lake. Boom.
1: I got a big boat for you. Let's do it.
0: in. Oh, I am in. Yes. <laughs> I need to do like a big road trip around this entire country. That's.
1: us sell your bros, man. You
0: got to sell yeah. your bros. I'm going to go see everybody. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> would that be fun? <laughs> it would be a good time. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we'll do a big convoy. No, gas is too expensive right now. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> ah. Awesome. Thanks, Leo. You bet. All right. I'll talk to you later. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q dot com. You can also check us out on our webpages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you who stand on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard.